Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. But anybody ready to just read scripture tonight to open up God's word and look at it? If you don't mind, can you stand real quick and we're going to read it and stand in honor of God's word. And just make sure this works. Perfect. All right. All right. That's going to be tied in later on. Uh, But, man, I felt such a strong urgency to take a look at this passage of Scripture. Um, Very strong. It just felt like God wanted me to read this out for us to read together as a church and just expound and explain it a little bit more. But it says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. And these are the words of Jesus. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. Somebody say, I am the salt. And then say, I am the light. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You're probably familiar with this scripture, and I also want to include this as well, because I believe it's relevant. And that's Psalm chapter 34, verse 8, and it says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in in him. Now, if you don't mind humoring me for just one minute, I want you to stand because I want to say something about what we just read before we take a seat and I give you my title. Um, I have a theory, and my theory is this, that everything that our souls long for as human beings can be found within a relationship with Jesus Christ. To be in a position and to be in a place where you find your worth in him, you find your identity in him, you find your value in Jesus Christ, where you come to a place where you just look up to God and you just say, I am blessed. I trust in Jesus. I've tasted and seen of the goodness of God. I believe that God wants everybody to get to a place in the relationship with God where they say something like, I've tasted and seen of the goodness of the Lord. There's no doubt in my mind, there's no doubt in my heart that my God is good. He is faithful. He is amazing. God wants us to experience him, and we can't taste and see the goodness of God through religion. With religion, it's all about endearing, sitting through. But with God... It's a personal, intimate relationship with him. And God wants everybody, honestly, the word says it's God's will that all men would be saved, that we would all taste and see of the goodness of God. But I have a question for you this Wednesday evening. How can the world taste and see of the goodness of God if you and I, the church, aren't the salt and the light? If I had to put the sermon in the sentence, I would say it like this. The world cannot taste and see if me and you aren't the salt 
in the light. So it's my prayer and my desire, and I hope that you hear me clearly this Wednesday evening because I feel this burden on, on me right now, that our church, that the universal church would become stronger salt and a brighter light for this world because more than ever, the church is needed. It's essential. We're not just an essential service. We are an eternal service, and this world needs Jesus. We have to be the salt and the light. So if you want to write this down, this is the title for this Wednesday evening. Stronger salt and brighter light. Stronger salt and brighter light. Can we pray together? Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for today, God. God, I did not come to perform or entertain one person in here. All I care about is being obedient to your Holy Spirit this Wednesday evening and just lifting up the name of Jesus, the name above all names. And I just pray that you would minister and our hearts would be open and just that you would just, that your Holy Spirit would anoint these words and you'd make these natural words, Lord, supernatural, Lord. That we wouldn't just live this out tonight, but we'd live this out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, God, throughout our week, throughout our life, in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in respect of God's word. Stronger salt and brighter light. Um, if you know anything about the passage of scripture that we just read in Matthew chapter 5, you know this. Um, this is the greatest sermon that Jesus Christ ever preached. The greatest sermon that ever preached was, was, was this sermon in Matthew 5, known as the Sermon on the Mount. And some people have called it one of the purest iterations of Christianity. Um, some commenters and scholars even call it the manifesto of the king, and pretty much meaning that this is a decree. This is a declaration that Jesus is making to the people and the crowds of people that are listening to him preach the sermon from the mount. And this is something that he's encouraging them to live out in their day-to-day -day lives, to be the salt and to be the light of the world. So what that means for you and what that means for me, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus and you've heard these words of Jesus calling us to be the salt and light of the world, these are not, this is not a suggestion that we're meant to consider, but rather it's an identity and it's a lifestyle that we're meant to become. You are called to be the salt and the light of the earth. And honestly, I felt like we would have been able to respond uh, better if we understood what that meant fully. And I thought about that, and I prayed on it, and I studied it. And I felt like God wanted me to kind of expound on those two words, salt and light. The analogy that Jesus had given in Matthew chapter 5. And I think it's important for us to understand this. And I want to start off first with the word salt and kind of expound on that. And isn't it cool if we get a little bit deeper this Wednesday evening? I know that you guys love Jesus and you know his, you love his word because you came on a Wednesday evening. You want to get a little bit deeper. So I have a number of things I want to say. And if you may have to listen to this sermon later just to retain it all. Uh, but I'm going to do my best to, to relate to you guys. So you guys ready to go a little bit deeper with me this Wednesday evening? Let's, let's talk about salt. When the scripture is talking about salt... It's a description 
of the participation that we're called to have here in the world. It's a description of the participation because whether you want to or not, you are participating with what's happening right now in the world. You coming in this church, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you have a part to play, and that's a non-negotiable. You don't get to decide whether or not you participate, but you do decide and you get to choose on what that looks like as you participate. And Jesus told us how we're supposed to participate in the scripture, in Matthew chapter 5. And in order for us to understand this, we have to know how salt was used during this time period that Jesus was in. First, salt was known as a preservative. And what that means is, you know, back in that day, they didn't have refrigerators, y'all. Can you imagine? I mean, they didn't have a refrigerator. They didn't have electricity. And what they would do in order to preserve the food, they would put salt on the food in order to keep it pure and to keep it fresh. And then also, salt was known as an antiseptic, or you can call it a disinfectant. And what would happen is, if people got injured, they would actually pour salt on the wound in order to catalyze the healing process and make them recover better in a quicker fashion. And then also, it's known as a seasoning, kind of like how we use it today. You know, whenever you season your food with salt, it helps enhance the flavors of the food. And in the same way, you and I are called to be the salt of the earth. For example, me and you are called to be preservatives of the word of God. We have to be preservatives of the word of God. And what that looks like for you and what that looks like for me is this. We have to know scripture. We have to know the Bible. We have to know God's word. We have to be crazy about what God says in in the Bible. We have to tremble and have a reverence and respect as we open up his word. Because we cannot represent a word that we do not know. And we can't represent a character of God that we don't know either. So what that means is we have to make it a priority to open up the Bible. I don't care if you have to open up your phone, the Bible app. You get into scripture. You start memorizing it. You get it within your heart. You meditate on it. I've heard someone say that when you get the word of God in you, when you don't need it, you'll have it whenever you do need it. You get God's word in your heart. And this is, this is ultimately what's going to happen if you get God's word in your heart and you apply it. It's going to begin to transform you, your life, into you living a lifestyle of integrity. And what that means is this, that you are consistent wherever you go in life. Whether you're at home by yourself, you're at home with your spouse, you're at work, um, wherever you may be, you are the same and you are consistent because you've allowed God's word in your heart and you've decided in your heart, I'm going to live a lifestyle pleasing to God to, to glorify Jesus and, and in your neighborhood. What I'm trying to say is we have to do what we can to imperfectly, we're imperfectly striving to glorify the name of God. We have to preserve his word in our hearts. And what also that means is this, that before we give our opinion on a touchy subject or a sensitive idea that we have to look into God's word to see what it says about it before we 
step on some people's toes and give our opinion and give an opinion that's contrary and contradicts the word of God. Because I came to tell you something. God's word is God's word. The, 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 the flower fades and the, and the grass withers, but God's word will stand forever. His word has been tested. His word is true. His word is eternal. God's word will never fail you. It's like a weapon, too. Whenever you face adversity, whenever you face tension, whenever you face obstacles in life, one of the best things that you can do is get God's word in your heart, preserve it, and speak it over yourself, speak it over situations, speak it over your family, speak it over your loved ones. Come on, is there anybody in here that believes in the power of the word of God? God's word is true. We have to be preservatives. We also have to be like spiritual antiseptics or disinfectant when it comes to bringing healing to people's life, just like salt. Because the reality is, we are surrounded constantly with people who are broken, people that are grieving, people that are hurting. And God wants to use us to help bring the healing that God desires in their life. And honestly, I think it really should break our hearts whenever just the idea that there's actually people in our lives, there's people around us that are hurting and they're struggling. And that should break our hearts. But I've learned that it's not enough just for our hearts to be broken or for us to feel bad. That we have to have some action with that as well. That we have to step out. That we have to do something. That it's not enough just to have compassion. But com true compassion is followed with action. And you may not be able to do everything, but you can do something to be a blessing to someone, to help bring healing into somebody's life. I just came to tell somebody this, just like the salt, you are called to help bring healing into somebody's life. And thirdly, salt, it's, it's a seasoning. And, and you and I are also called to help season and enhance the lives of other people. Have you ever had a bland tasting food before? Am, am I the only one? Like, raise your hand. Have you ever had like a, like, okay, like, for example, it didn't taste bad. It was just kind of like existing. Like, like if you had to describe it in a color, it would be like tan or beige. You know? I won't forget me, my brother-in-law, CJ, um, got asked to help somebody move years and years ago. I wouldn't be sharing this if they weren't watching online to check or um, sitting in the building. Um, but they moved a while back. So <laughs> years ago. All right, I got to move on. So we, they asked us to help them move. And one of the things that they kind of enticed us with was uh, they said that they were going to cook steaks afterward. And if you know me and CJ, we love steak. Anybody love steak? You know when it's a good steak. Yeah, that deserves a hand. Oh, there you go. You can put your hands together. So... You know it's a good steak, in my opinion, whenever you don't need any sauce for it. That's what I like to hear right now. Come on. I thought I was the only one for a little bit. Whenever it's a really good steak and it's cooked really well and it's seasoned really well, I don't need A1 steak sauce. I don't need all these other sauces. I can just gobble and eat that thing up, y'all. And I was so excited. We were tired. We got done helping these people move. I was like, yes, we get to eat some steak. They bring the steak out. I, I wish somebody told me that these people didn't, like, they didn't even know that seasoning existed on steaks. 
they brought out these plain and bland-looking deer steaks. I mean, I'm, I wasn't like that in the moment. I was really considered. I was really nice. I've been taught. You know, I'm not going to say it because it's going to ruin it if I go over to your house. I just told him. It was like, this is, yeah, this is good. Thank you so much. And I was eating it. And then an opportunity came up where I got to introduce them to something called Uncle Chris's seasoning, y'all. Anybody know Uncle Chris's seasoning? That's some, that's, okay, okay. We got, we got some people that have good taste in here. Uncle Chris's seasoning. I'm going way too long on this story. Okay. <laughs> Don't rush it. So I introduced them to it. And the next time we went over to their house, y'all, um, we got to eat the food that they made. It was the same kind of steak. But, y'all, it tasted so much better because they applied seasoning to it. I mean, it th- and I thought to myself, isn't it crazy how a little bit of seasoning, a little bit of salt, can change a dish completely. And it's the same for me and you. Me and you are called to enhance, to bring flavor, to help bring life to other people's lives. Somebody say, I'm the salt. I'm the salt. So here's my question to you. What aftertaste are you leaving in other people's lives? That's a tough question. Whenever you leave the room, whenever you leave the group of people, whenever you leave the circle, are they grateful and thankful that you were there? Do they feel more hopeful? Do they feel the excitement? Do they feel more joyful? Or do they feel more frustrated? Do they feel more discontent with where they're at? Because I came to tell somebody this Wednesday evening that you have an opportunity as the salt of this earth to help enhance and help be a blessing to other people in their life. And guess what? A little bit of salt goes a long ways. What aftertaste are you leaving in other people's lives? I don't know about you. I want to be the type of person that whenever I talk to a family member, when I talk to a friend, even if they're an unbeliever, that I just have a spark of life inside of me, that I have some joy, I have a skip in my step, and I'm smiling, and I'm encouraging them, and sometimes you just have to fake it till you make it with some people just to make sure that you're an encouragement to them, y'all. All I came to say is this. You are the salt. You are the salt. William Barclay said it like this. He said, there should be a sheer sparkle about the Christian, but too often he dresses like a mourner at a funeral and talks like a specter at a feast. Wherever he is, if he's to be the salt of the earth, the Christian must be a diffuser of joy. I love that picture. Anybody in here have an essential oil diffuser at your house? I know a lot of you guys have an essential oil. We used to have one back there. Um, But if you know anything about an essential oil diffuser, because I love how he talked about being a diffuser of joy. What you do is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Patsy. So what you do is you have this little device, this diffuser, and you put a little bit of essential oil in there. And you put some water in it. And what happens is it it creates this vapor that gets pushed out into the room. And it fills the volume of the room. And what happens is it changes the atmosphere. It changes the feeling and the mood of the room whenever you go in there. And can I say in the same way, we are called 
If we are called to be diffusers of joy, and if we are diffusers of joy, we should, whenever we step into a room, change the atmosphere, bring joy to people's lives, where people are blessed by us participating in their lives as well. This is how we're made to live. This means that we are called to be the salt of the earth inside, and can I say this, outside of the church. As we're participating in Victoria, we have an opportunity to be a salt everywhere, salt everywhere we go. Whether we go to the grocery store, we're going to the coffee shop, we're going to work, we're going to the gym, you have an opportunity, and we are called as the people of God, as the salt of the earth, to preserve the nature and the truth of God's word. We are called to be looking for hurting and hopeless people and bring healing and hope to their lives. We are called to help enhance the lives of other people. We are called to bring joy. Somebody say, I'm the salt. Man, this is good stuff, isn't it? Man, we are the salt. So that's our participation that we're called to have in the world as the salt of the earth. And that brings me to the second point and the second thing. And that's our perspective. Our perspective. Our perspective that we're meant to shine on who God is. And we do that by bringing light. We shine perspective by shining light. Think of it this way. If salt is what you do, then the light is the outcome of it. If salt is what you do, then light is the outcome of it. And you understand this. Jesus saying that you're the salt, the, the light of the world isn't a small or flippant thing. Like, that's a big deal because during this time period that Jesus lived in, light was so critical and essential, kind of like how it is today, but at a whole other level because they didn't have any type of electricity at all. They didn't have any type of electricity. And whenever Jesus is calling you or us the salt, the light of the world, he's referring to something that was so crucial during that time period. And just like salt had three distinct purposes, so does light. Anybody follow me this Wednesday evening? Just like salt had three distinct purposes, so does light. For starters, the biggest and probably the most well-known thing is this. Light is a life-giving source. Remember, salt is what we do. Light is the outcome of what we do. And light is a life-giving source for stars, number one out of the three. And if you remember anything about middle school biology, you probably remember this about photosynthesis. Anybody know that? You know, you heard that word photosynthesis. And what, pho what photosynthesis is, the process of that, is that whenever the sun, whenever light shines on a plant, it helps, you know, create nutrients within the plant, which therefore, like, you know, helps it grow, and it, cultivate, it cultivates life within the plant. And in the same way, you and I are called to be life, -giver, life givers to people that are around us. We're called to be life givers to people that are around us. That means that we are encouragers. That means that we are careful to watch what we say and what we do. That means this, y'all, we speak life and we believe the best about people. And we don't post constantly on Facebook about the bad things that are going on in the world. And also, we don't gossip behind people's backs. We're called to be life givers. Riverside Church really should be a church 
where we don't spread any gossip, we just spread the gospel. Where we are life givers, we build people up. Where we are intentional when it comes to bringing life to people. We're called to be kind and winsome in the world. And as we do that, we will shine a perspective on the heart of God for different people that are around us. The second aspect of light is this. The second aspect that the church is meant to emulate is that it's a spectrum. It's a spectrum. And what I mean by that is this, if you don't know. So a spectrum is all the different varying colors that life, that, that, that a light can give off. Whether it's red or green or blue. Because believe it or not, I mean, if you look at different stars, even in space, they're not all just a white star. There's, there's big red ones and there's orange ones, there's blue ones. There's all these different forms of light. But whenever you get all the different colors of light and you point it at the same place at the same time, you take the spectrum, what you end up with is this beautiful just white color. You probably did this whenever you are little with crayons. If you mix all the different crayons together, what happens is you'll end up, you know, all the different colors, you'll end up with this white color on your paper. And in the same way, that's how it should be whenever the people of God come together. Because we're all different. We're all uniquely, we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. We all have different talents. We all have different abilities. We have different proclivities. But whenever we come together as the people of God and we gather underneath this house or we serve out in our community, we have an opportunity to shine the beautiful, pure, white light of Jesus Christ that can make a difference and transform lives. Whether it was Gary playing the bass or whether it's Pablo running sound, Leo out in the parking lot, Amy running the Connection Center, Pastor Bobby preaching fiery, fiery sermons. It, all I'm saying is this, it's a collaborative effort. When the people of God come together and they know that they are the light of the world, the light of Jesus Christ shines. I won't forget whenever we had a guest speaker come here on a Wednesday evening, and what happened was whenever he was preaching, the power went out for the whole building. And we switched electricity providers, and what happened was, whenever we switched, the old electricity company, uh, I guess didn't like that too much, they came and ripped out the whole like conduit and unit back here, so we didn't have any electricity that night. And I won't forget, he was about to step up to speak, and all of a sudden, boom, and there's a big old thing missing back there, and we just missed the electricity company. And what we had to do was this. We... We decided to go get a couple of lights from back there in the closet, but it wasn't enough. But I love how what happened next, because one by one, every person got their phone light out. You would think that we were at a concert, and they put it on the guest speaker. I'll promise you this, that person will never forget the moment that he had preaching here at Riverside Church that night. But honestly, think of it how beautiful and amazing and powerful and impactful it will be if we all realize that we are called to be the light of the world and we stand strong together and we unite. And I'm excited for this next one. I got to move on to the next one. The third aspect of light is this. Light is invasive. Light is invasive. When it comes to the perspective, light is invasive. And in, in Matthew chapter 5, we get a glimpse of the culture and, and the things that people did during that era when it, because Jesus said, 
that whenever you set up a light, whenever you set up a lamp in your house, you don't cover it. But what, hap- what people would do during this time period is, you know, before bed or whenever they got home, whenever it was dark, they would get a lamp and they would put it on a stand and they would put it in a position of a house for everyone to see so that way they could move and, you know, have a little bit of light throughout the night. And that was so vital and so important for those people. We can make an assumption that they used it during nighttime, you know, because they didn't really have need for it during the day, you know, and they didn't have electricity. And that, I think that's important for us to note because it's in those low, dark, and deep and depressing moments in our lives and other people's lives where we shine the brightest. Light is invasive. See, here's the beautiful thing about the church. We have an opportunity to go out into dark places within our city, dark places within our world, and help bring light to those places because light is invasive. Somebody say light is invasive. That means when people are hurting, we're the first to show up with a meal and we tell them this. We, we tell them that we love them and God loves them and God sees exactly where they're at and we help bring light to that situation. Or, or if someone, like they, whether they lost a loved one, we help them out. We're at the door. We're one of the first ones to reach out to them. Or if someone goes to the hospital, that we reach out to them through a family member, through a friend, through a loved one, whether through phone or through text or whatever it may be, and we tell them, hey, I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. Man, God's got you. And we bring light to that situation. And and what that means is when we go throughout the city of Victoria, we unleash the light of Christ to all the dark places. And we shine a perspective on the character of God. And as we do both of these things, we live as the salt and light. God unleashes his purpose. And that's the third thing I want to say. So we know that, number one, salt is our participation, the role that we play. But light is the perspective. It's it's whenever we participate that people will begin to see the light. And they will begin to see who God really is. But lastly, this is the purpose. This is the reasoning behind being the salt and being the light of the world. And it says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So get this. It says, let people see your good deeds, and then they will glorify your Father in heaven. Good deeds are what we do, and this is important for us to get. Good deeds are what we do, but it's the glory of God that is the outcome and the motive for us. The reason that we're the salt and the light is so that way people wouldn't be won over to me and how good I am, but they would be won over to God. That people wouldn't say, man, Caleb, he's great, he's awesome, but they would see the heart of God with the, with, because of the participation and because of the perspective where it's shown on the character of God. And they say, no, you know, God is great. God is good. God is amazing. That's good stuff. See, that's why we exist. We live for the glory of God. We are saved for the glory of God. We serve for the glory of God. And whenever we begin to be the salt and light, people begin to taste and see that God is good. So here's my question for you this Wednesday evening. 
How's that going for you so far? How's that playing out for you? Being the salt and light of the word. And here, here's another question. If your life was the only picture of who God is and how he loves and if he loves and how he fights for people and how he loves humanity, how, how would that look like? If, if, if your life was the only one, for, only way for people to get a glimpse of who God is. If someone watched your life and gathered conclusions about the God that you serve, question, would they worship him? Would they see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven? Or, and I'm about to bring it back up here in a little bit, but I felt like I need to ask this question. Or would they walk the opposite direction? Would they walk the opposite direction and not see the light? And my prayer is this. My prayer is that we would be a church that would be unashamed of the gospel. And we would decide to be the salt and we'd be the light of the world. And I came to tell somebody here as well that Jesus loves you so much. And no matter where you are at right now in life, he will, be, he will chase after you relentlessly with his never-ending love. And you've never fallen too far. You've, ne you've never fallen too far down. You've never gone too far. Jesus loves you. Whoever's watching online, Jesus Christ loves you. And he wants to use you to be the salt and light of the world. And Isaiah, we're about to come to a close. Haley, you can come on up. So what does this look like? Isaiah 58, chapter, uh, chapter 58, verse 10, talks about what it looks like as we live this out, being the salt and light, or being the light and just living. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 10 through 11 says this, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise, say, shall my light rise in the darkness, and your gloom be as noonday, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose water, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Riverside Church, let that be us. Let that be said about us that we would be people that would be open to that participation, to that perspective, to that purpose, and that we'd be the salt and light, and that people would begin to taste and see that God is good, that God is good. But I love how the wording goes like this. Catch this. In 58, it says, if you, right there at the top, what does it say? Pour. If you pour. And I begin to think about that too. Because I think the way that we disregard Jesus' orders to be the salt and light of the earth, to be the salt, is whenever we decide to contain and retain and keep all the salt to ourselves. We decide to hold back, to not participate. You know, I did something recently this past week. I, I took an ice bath. Anybody ever taken an ice bath? You do it for recovery, right? You, you get in this, oh my, my goodness, I think I blacked out for just a split second. I had to get out, but it was crazy, y'all. And then I heard, you know, it helps, it helps with recovery if you're working out and everything like that. My dad told me about it. I tried it. Didn't go too well, but I'm going to work my way into it a little bit better. <laughs> I felt like I was still sore the next day. But my dad told me, he said that people actually add salt to the ice bath to help with recovery because, you know, it has that healing element to it. 
And I looked it up online, but there's actually a trend going on right now where people are taking something called salt baths. And this isn't just a small amount of salt. And it's crazy. You can look it up. They have all these weird-looking, like, futuristic, like, machines and pods where people are just laying in this water filled with salt. And, and what happens is they're just laying in it, and they don't need to paddle. They don't need to move. They don't need to work. They're just laying in this salt. They're just chilling, and they're just swaying. They're just rocking. They're just, I, I kind of want to try it a little bit, you know? Yeah. People are taking salt baths. And I thought to myself, isn't that a perfect picture of a lot of Christians right now in the world? That we have this perfect message of the gospel. We have the church. We've been saved. We've been set free. We've been filled with the spirit of God. And we have all this salt. But the question is, what are we doing with it? Are we just going to lay in it? Are we going to contain it and keep it for ourselves? And sometimes, church, we can be so comfortable where we're drinking metaphorically like on our own salt bath water. And yet we need to remember that there is a world, there is a city, there are people, millions upon millions, if not potentially billions of people that are dying and going to hell. And here we are sometimes in our salt bath, in our tank. But I felt like Jesus wanted me to tell somebody this Wednesday evening. I know this isn't as motivating or encouraging, but I pray it is in one way or another to help you. The way that we honor Jesus is to get the salt out of the tank. The way that we honor Jesus is to get the salt out into the world, to participate, to make a difference, that we wouldn't just say it. We wouldn't just speak it, but we would be people of action, that true compassion comes with action. You may be asking yourself, Caleb, what does that look like? I gave you a couple of examples, and I don't have all the answers. Let's pray about it. Let's believe that God could use us to be the salt and light of the earth. I know I'm going over time. Here's another way that salt is used. It's in this little thing called ammonia, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. And some people actually call it smelling salt. And what this is used for, if a football player gets knocked down, They'll break it open. And it has some salt in there and stuff. People call it sm smelling salt. They would break it, and that would help give them just an extra boost to get up and keep going. Or if a wrestler, if a wrestler feels like he's out of energy, he'll take this whenever he feels really down. Or if a power lifter is about to lift, I actually got this from a power lifter when I asked them. They'll take this, and it helps just give them energy. And they break it. I kind of want to try it right now. You didn't want me to try it? No. Oh, my goodness. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is tough. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I did that once before, but that, I took a bigger whip that time. Okay. I'm not, I'm, only, I'm not even exaggerating. Here's the point I'm trying to make. This salt, this salt does no good in the container. Yeah. It has to get out. That's good. Amen. This salt does no good in the container. It has to get out. It has to be broken. I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> and here's what I want to say. When you spill the salt, the world will see the light. When you spill the salt, you get the salt out, the world will see the light. 
Come on, you can stand to your feet this Wednesday evening. I know that was longer. I know I hit you with some facts and some history that maybe wasn't as exciting or amusing. Maybe I'll change it up this next time. But I really felt like God wanted me to speak and deliver this message to y'all. As I think about the light, as I think about light, you need to understand how powerful light is. How powerful your light is. There is actually a time period during World War II called the blackout period in England. And it was a time where the Germans would bomb England. And there would be families and homes. And they called it the blackout period because for a time period of eight months or so, people would begin to close all the shutters, close all the doors, make sure that nothing was coming through the window. They would turn off all the lights because they didn't want the Germans to see their light shining because they knew this, that a single candle candle can shine for miles and miles. And you, I just felt like somebody was thinking to himself, Caleb, what use am I going to make? How am I going to? You are the light of the world. And your one light can make an eternal difference in somebody's life. Don't suppress it. Let your light shine. Let your light shine at school. Let your light shine in your community. Let your light shine at home. Let your light shine. Somebody say, let my, let my light shine. And this is like us before Jesus. And there's so many people out there like this right now. Before Jesus, we were dark. And dark also represents ignorance or a lack of knowledge. But then one day, you had a understanding, a revelation, an awareness of who Jesus Christ is. And guess what? You were taken out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you became the light. You were lost. You were lost and then you were found. You were thirsty and hungry. And this is how so many people are. They're thirsty and they're, they're longing for purpose, for satisfaction, for fulfillment. And then when you find Jesus, your light gets turned on you. We were dead. And we became alive in Jesus Christ. And I guarantee, you, I guarantee you this. The reason you saw the light and became the light is because somebody decided to be the salt and the light. The reason you tasted and seen of the goodness of God is because somebody along the line was the salt and the light in your life. That could have been a parent, that could have been a friend, that could have been a family member, that could have been a stranger. When you are the salt and light, the world will begin to taste and see. When we spill the salt, the world will see the light. When we are the salt and the light, the world will taste and see. Somebody say this with me. I'm becoming stronger salt and a brighter light. That makes sense to you guys. Can you just, if you receive that, put your hands together, whatever you feel to do. I need to know that you got something out of that. Can you just bow your heads? I'm going to pray over you. And I want to pray firstly for every believer that's in the building right now that has heard this message. I know it was a stronger one. And maybe you just feel like you haven't been representing God to the world the way that he needs to be represented. And we've all made mistakes. I've made mistakes. But it's, God can work all things together for good. I want to pray over you that you would become stronger salt and brighter light. And I want to say this. If we want to see our church grow, if we want to see our church grow, God wants to use you. God wants to use every person in this room to invite somebody to church, 
to talk about Jesus, to spread the gospel, because whenever we do that, the family will begin to get bigger and larger and larger, because if you only knew how many people were hungry and thirsty for the truth, it would blow your mind. God, I pray right now over every person underneath the sound of my voice, I pray that they would become stronger salt and brighter light in their community, God. That they would be unashamed of the gospel, Lord. If the world can be loud about their beliefs and their opinions, why can't we be loud about our God and his goodness? So I pray that today, Jesus, that you would just anoint every single person, Lord. And as they step into their community, as they go back home, God, if there are people that are unbelieving, atheists, agnostic, Lord, whoever it may be, God, I know I've seen you change the hearts of people. I believe that by your Holy Spirit that you would light a flame in our hearts, God, and we would step out, Lord, and that the world would taste and see of the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you receive that, put your hands together. And I want to give somebody an opportunity before I let you go, and I'm going to hand it over. I want to give somebody an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you've never accepted the free gift of salvation in your life, Jesus is waiting right now. He's here right now. You can have a relationship with God today. You can look forward to eternity, to heaven today. And all you have to do is just repent of your sins, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died, and that he rose, and just receive him. And repeat after me. Can you bow your heads, close your eyes? Maybe you're praying this prayer for the millionth time. Pray it like it's your first time. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent for all of my sins. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I love you. I believe that you died. And I believe that you rose. I believe that you're Lord. I love you. Thank you for loving me. Forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Thank y'all for listening, y'all. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.